June will be the first one to take that. But I want to say a few things, kind of in a little bit of a review so you'll know where we're coming from, from the last ladies' Bible study. But we were talking about uh, the spiritual roots of disease. And so we're going to get in that today, and I am so honored. In fact, the Holy Spirit told me a while ago, you, knew you, didn't, you, need, you know you didn't really ask these three ladies to do this. You told them. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That is so true. Ladies, thank you for doing this. <laughs> but they have so much because they've been studying on some of this, and I am so excited. But So I wanted to include just a little bit of the review from our last Bible study in today's lesson, so it'll kind of introduce you. But in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is so important. It's not tomorrow. It's now. It's present tense. It's where you're sitting right now. Faith is. And so that means faith is for today. Then if faith is for today, Tuesday, November the 7th, then that means healing and health is for today. This Tuesday is for now. Hallelujah. So we're preparing your mind, your soul, your mind, your will. We're preparing you to receive what faith is going to produce in you today on Tuesday. Amen. In this book by Dr. Wright, he asked the question, if healing is the children's bread and that by Jesus' stripes we were healed, then what is the disconnect from his words? And that's what we're going to study today. What has disconnected us from the word of God that says, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed? So if we were healed, we are healed. So there is a disconnection from the manifestation, and that's what these ladies are going to help to bring to us today. So there is a disconnect from his words. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me personally in my situation and for you in your situation, what it is. And in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are, and in the New Testament it says we were healed. Well, Dr. Wright's question is, then what has happened to us? Where have things gone wrong? The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, ladies, as an individual today. Amen. So I want to read this before we uh, turn it over to June. <laughs> about the spiritual roots of disease. Now, we, when we got into this two weeks ago, we studied on diabetes, what has disconnected us from the word of the healing for diabetic. But anyway, Dr. Wright said, as I said earlier, after more than 30 years of research and experience with thousands of individuals, I am convinced that the root cause of about 80% of all chronic diseases is spiritual. It is. If you think, if you have an attack on your body, you better believe it's spiritual. So what's disconnecting from our healing? 
And that spiritual root is the direct result of separation in our lives on three very important levels. Now, what I have asked the ladies to do is to take these three different levels that he mentions. And the first level, the first level that he says is a separation in our lives is the separation from God, separation from his word, his person, and his love. And so I've asked June if she would take this, and she is a teacher. <laughs> and so, okay, June Lawson. Okay, it's good to be here, and I won't take a long time talking about how great it is to be here, but praise the Lord. Okay, Bonnie gave me a, uh, the subject separation from God, like that's the main title, but then the first section was separation from God's word. Okay, and so uh, I had done a lot of studying for the last two weeks, and then this morning I woke up and the Lord said, okay, here's what I want you to say. <laughs> okay, so first we're going to talk about Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay, so I had this little lamp at home, and, and, it, um, and then I also have a flashlight. Okay, so his word is both. Okay, so there's times when we just need the whole area illuminated, right? Right. And then I also thought about how we are the light of the world. You know, we are supposed to be shedding that light to others. So if we don't have the light in us through God's word and through, through being saved, then it's hard to shine. But even a Christian can sometimes have a dim light. And that's because... We're not connecting with God's word. Separation from God's word can cause your light to go dim. And that's kind of what's happened here <laughs> because the batteries have been in here a long, long time. And it's really hard to tell. But Okay, so that's kind of okay, you know. And if, if this was a dark room, and, and I thought about being out in the woods where it's extremely dark and you don't have the city lights and you don't have your, your night watcher light on out in your yard and... Uh, sometimes when I drive up Morgan Road at night and people don't have their lights on, it, I go a lot slower. So you go a lot slower when your lights are dim or when you can't see very well. So you got to have your lights a little bit brighter than that. Yeah. So and, and you don't want that. <laughs> that. That is very dim. Okay. So So I just wanted to show that want to show that illustration and then sometimes we just need a light to light our path it's a lamp unto my feet so you know we got the lamp going but sometimes you need a direct light and you need light to shine in on you where you need it and you need it in your spirit and that comes from God's word and then you can shine that then you'll be a lamp to others if, if you if you will let that Direct light shine in the areas that you need it. Who wants to walk around with the blindfold on? Okay, come on, Brenda. Because honestly, let's think about this. That may not be as dark as we need it to be. Yeah, you can keep it. It's never been used. Really? Came with my pajamas, and I don't. I don't need. I'm going to use it for my new sleep bag. I don't need it, see? So I, I sleep so easily. I just go to bed and boom, I'm asleep. But anyway, I'm not bragging, but that is the fact. Okay. 
it is a fact, and, it, and I give God the glory. Okay, so Brenda, uh, if I wanted you to follow my voice, could you, could you follow me where I am? I know that it's kind of all around the room. But see how slowly she's having to go? So we don't want to be blinded, do we? We don't want to be blinded to God's word. Okay, that's enough probably. I think they got the idea, Brenda. But you can keep that. Okay, thank you to our volunteer. All right, let's <laughs> Okay, I have, uh, at home I have a, on my computer, I've downloaded the Blue Letter Bible, and it has, uh, you can look up vines and strongs and a lot of other things, and so that's why I've got 15 pages of notes. But anyway, um, I'm not going to read all 15. I've got things marked in each thing I want to read. But uh, I thought about uh, when Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, in verse 4, he quoted the word back to the enemy. Okay? It, it is written in Matthew 4, 4. It is written. That's the first thing that Jesus said. And that really ought to be what our answer is. Every time a thought comes, every time a thought comes that, that we need to cast down, we should say, it is written. And if we don't know it, we need to go find it. But we should know it, and we should have a lot of it in our hearts already. But, but we need to go find it. If, and I've found myself sometimes when I'm in a situation, I will go to the Word and say, help me find, Lord, what I need. because, And that's, that's what we've been on, this search for health. We've been going and searching and, and looking and trying to find those scriptures. So man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, this was after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and then he still said, uh, you know, bread's not going to tempt me. You know, and turning, I, I can turn stones into bread, but I'm not going to do it. And one thing that, that the uh, commentator said on this was, notice that Matthew writes that when the tempter comes. In our lives, it's not a question of if the tempter will come, it's when he will Very come. Good. We will face temptation until we go to glory. And when he said it is written, he could have called on his power as God, but he, he made the choice to walk as a man. Uh, he could have easily just rebuked Satan and he could have sent him into another galaxy. I hadn't thought of it that way. He could have easily done that. But he resisted him in a way that we can imitate and identify with. He chose to be the example for us. He used scripture to battle Satan's temptation, not some elaborate spiritual power inaccessible to us. We have the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead inside of us. Jesus fought this battle as, a full, as fully man, and he drew on no special resources that are unavailable to us. Out flashed the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word. And our Lord will fight with no other weapon. So we, should, we need to tell ourselves we're going to fight with no other weapon. We're not going to fight by trying to manipulate someone's emotions. We're not going to fight any other way except with the Word of God. He could have spoken new revelations, but he chose to say, it is written. I want to tell you what... Um, Jerry Savelle Ministries, I, I follow him on Facebook, and, and this just seemed like this fit right in with what we're talking about with God's Word. If Satan can plant negative seeds in your mind through your five physical senses, then the Word of God should be able to plant positive seeds. 
and, and I mean, it's all about seed time and harvest. But you must be willing to make a commitment to begin shutting out all the negative influences around you and begin planting the word of God into yourself daily. You have to control what you allow your ears to hear, your eyes to see, and your heart to be opened up to. A single thought can lead to a disaster. And I, I've, the Lord reminded me of, and I'm not going to give all the examples, but he reminded me of examples in my life where I fought off the, the, the uh, bad thought and it turned out to be victory. And there were other times when I did not fight it off. I just held onto that negative thought too long until it affected me. But you've got to, as soon as the negative thought comes, the Holy Spirit inside of you, that unction will tell you, no, don't start thinking that way. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. After Kenny left this earth, uh, I started eating whatever I wanted to eat, whenever I wanted to, and then I would say to him, I would go to the refrigerator and the words would come out of my mouth, I don't care. And the Holy Spirit was saying, quit saying that. I mean, it's like he won't make you quit saying it. He won't make you quit thinking it. He won't make you quit feeling it. But he will remind you, stop saying that. Stop living in that. And, and it took a while because sometimes I would ignore. You can ignore the Holy Spirit inside of you if you choose to. And I, you can ignore that. And sometimes I would ignore. Sometimes I would heed and say, thank you, Lord, for reminding me that I do care. Quit. You know, I knew that thought was from the devil immediately, which who wouldn't know that? But anyway, <laughs> as believers, we are to think like Christ and guard our hearts. We must protect what we allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear and we are to think the thoughts of Christ. Okay, the second thing that, that I want to talk about is separation from God, his person. Okay, we can have a personal relationship with him. Not that he is a person, but he is personable to us. You know, and we can know him as father. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And there's two other verses, Matthew 14, 36, and Romans 8, 15, that talk about God as our father. Okay, in uh, Romans 8, 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And I know we've learned in the past that Abba or Abba means like daddy. And, you know, and I, I was blessed to have a, a great earthly daddy example. Not everybody has that, but I'm telling you, God will be your daddy. He will be the one that you can go jump in his lap and he'll hold you. Or you can call him in the middle of the night and say, I need you, and he's there. So, you know, I can think of examples of when I was in college, and I called Daddy and said, I don't feel well. And three hours, it was three-hour drive. He was there in about two to come pick me up. And, I mean, that's the kind of Daddy that we have. Okay, we have that Daddy, except it won't take him two hours to get there. <laughs> He'll be there instantly. Praise God. Okay, and so the, the commentator, uh, his name was Don Stewart, and he says, is it possible for humans to know God personally? Now, I got this out of the Blue Letter Bible, and he said, there's something else that the Bible teaches. Not only can we know certain truths about God, human beings can know God personally 
personally. This is the difference in knowing facts about someone and knowing them personally. Like you might know that, hey, she taught kindergarten. Hey, she taught first grade. Uh, she even taught at tech. She did, she did workshops around the country. You know, you may know those things about me, but you don't know me personally. Pam and I know each other personally. Brenda and I know each other personally. Bonnie and I, you know, and I know some of you more personally than others. Used to do children's workers conferences with Karen. So we, we know one another personally, okay? And so that we can have that same thing, but how do we get to know God? John 14, 7, and this is the, I think, New Revised Standard Version. If you know me, you will know my Father also. So Jesus and God are one. From now on, you do, you, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And he was telling his disciples that. On the night of his betrayal in John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is the way to have eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent you sent to earth. It speaks of knowing in an experiential sense. You can experience Jesus, uh, and you can experience God. You can experience the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I thought about how my kids used to, uh, when they were in the high chair especially, they would get into the food and I said, they're experiencing the food. We, we would just laugh. You know, they're experiencing the food. They get it all over their face, all over their clothes, everywhere, just experiencing it. That's how we ought to be with God's word. We ought to be in it, experiencing it. We ought to be so hungry for it that we're getting it on our face. We're getting it all over us as we're, as we're taking it in. We ought to be so excited to get into God's word. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ he is the true God and eternal life you can get to know him that was first John five twenty. okay I'm going to jump to the last one separation from God's love well you really can't separate God and love because God is love but I want to uh, just say what Paul said in, <laughs> where is this? I think, just a minute, it's Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. And I'm just going to read that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? I mean, think about all those things. If you look at other versions, they'll, they'll have other words, but it, it's really like, can the horribleness of this world, can that separate us from the love of God? No. It is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, if you get to wondering 
Have I allowed myself to get separated? Okay, read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and that can be your checklist. If you're failing the love test, it's time to draw close to God again. Because he said in James 4, 8, I hope you can, wait a minute. He said for us to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. So that's really all we have to do. Just turn from those evil thoughts, turn back. And draw near to God, and he says, I'll be there. Brenda's up next. Okay. Wow, I could preach. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. But remember, as they're bringing these things out, that we're talking about separation being the spiritual root of disease, separation from God the Father, separation from his word, and separating ourselves from his love. And, oh, man, like I said, Brenda, you better start coming up this way. But as she's coming, (laughs) June, one thing that, it was a week ago, it seems like my time with the Father God at night when I'm laying in bed, I'm praying and telling him, Father, I love you and all of this. But it just rose up in me when you're talking about God the Father. And I started saying every night now, Father, you know, we're his family, But God changed that to me starting to say, Father, I thank you that you, Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are my family. And that just ministered to me because I'm a widow. And I do have children and grandchildren and all. But that just got so personal with me to start thanking him for being my family. And that's what he is. So Brenda, she's going to be talking about the separation from yourself by not accepting yourself. And so what uh, Dr. Wright was saying is this is one of the spiritual causes of you not receiving your healing. This is one of the things that is separating you from the manifestation of your healing. So take notes because next week we'll be discussing all of these more. But let the Holy Spirit minister to you if any of these things are what's separating you separation from yourself by not accepting yourself and struggling with, this is why I wanted to read it, self-hatred, guilt, and shame. Self-hatred, guilt, and shame. And I want to reference uh, Mark chapter 2, where uh, the, the Jesus was teaching and that place was so crowded, they couldn't, they, they, they couldn't get, nobody could get in. So some friends brought their friend who was paralyzed and they lowered him down through the roof in front of Jesus. They took off the roof tiles, lowered him down. And Jesus looked at him and he said this, he said, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Now he didn't say your sins are going to be forgiven when I go to the cross. He said, your sins are forgiven right now. He didn't say your sins are forgiven when you're going to get up and walk. He didn't say you're healed. He said your sins are forgiven. So Jesus knew that, that what goes on inside the person affects their health. Okay? He knew that. And so there, there used to be an old saying that if people had certain diseases, okay, uh, that they had a, a secret grief that was eating away at the self. And I used to not believe that, but I have seen, and and this is very sad, but I have seen some very good word of faith Christian people that I loved very, very dearly. Uh, I have seen them die because they could not receive healing for that deep grief 
that ate away at them. One, one gentleman in particular was a dear gentleman. Um, he was very mature. He was, uh, he was, he was, uh, he had a position in the, in the body. Uh, many of you would know him if I told you his name. Uh, but he, uh, he, uh, he was diagnosed with a form of cancer that was aggressive. Uh, and at that time, I was working as a nutritionist. And, and one of the things that I specialized in was helping people when they couldn't get help from the regular traditional medicine, was there something natural that they could do? And so he came to ask me. And while he was there, uh, and I was young, I had really just gotten started in that business. But while he was there, he, he started telling me this story about when he was a little boy. Now, this gentleman was in his 80s, okay? He started telling, and he wouldn't mind. He's in heaven right now. He's probably up there jumping up and down that I'm telling this story now because he started crying and telling me this story about him. And he was crying so hard, I, I couldn't even get the details through the sobbing. And I didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there like this. But looking back now, I can see how, how this man, he gave me a very precious gift that I am now giving to you. And what he did was he cried and he told me this story about the bicycle when he was a little boy and his mom and his dad and his brother and this bicycle and it was something bad that happened about the, his bicycle. And then he said, and I forgave all of them on their deathbeds. They're all dead. He's still living. He knows the Lord, ladies. He knows word of, the word of faith. He knew it. He knew it. In his heart, he knew it. But he couldn't. Let go of that deep grief that he sustained as a child. He couldn't let go of it, and he died. Now, he, and he passed on not from old age. It was from the cancer. I had another lady, another lady, and you would all know this lady as well, same situation. She had been through uh, a situation when she, was, she didn't get to graduate high school. Her parents made her drop out of school and get a job to support the family. And when she went to, to the graduation and she saw her fellow classmates graduating without her, it did something to her. And so later on, this lady, also the disease, it could be other diseases. This is just the ones that I'm telling you about today. It was also cancer. It was cancer. And uh, we talked about this. She knew that this was the grief that she was carrying. She knew it. But, but she couldn't let go of it. And she couldn't, couldn't receive healing. Now, she would receive the healing from God, and she would get better and get past it, and then the cancer would come back. Then she'd receive healing again, and the cancer would come back. But part of the reason the cancer came back was because the, the lie that the devil gave to her and the things that she was doing to her own body is what made the cancer come back. She did it to herself. And I was watching all of this, and I was telling her the whole time, and I told her over and over, I said, you can't keep doing this to yourself. You can't keep doing this, this uh, thing that you're doing to yourself because this is what's making the cancer come back. And, and she knew it, but she never could receive that, that thing. And she passed on with complications with cancer. Now, I, di I didn't want to talk about any of this this morning because I think this is very severe. <laughs> You know, but this is the reality, ladies, and I, I used to never want to believe it. You know, I just didn't want to believe that it was really that way. But, I, but after I observed these people in their lives, people that I loved dearly, people that loved God, people that God loved, and they weren't able to receive. So then I had a man come to me, and he had liver cancer.
And he came in and, and he sat down and, and I told I referenced this in the chap in Mark chapter two about the paralyzed man and I said, See, Jesus knew this. He knew this about individual people. He knew that if they could receive at th- that not receive necessarily healing from, from God, but just healing within themselves. They would forgive themselves, they would forgive the others, but they would receive healing for this deep grief that they would get well. And he looked, he sat across the table from me and he blinked his eyes a few times and he said, you mean to tell me all I have to do is let go of that and I will be cancer free? I said, yes, sir. Did you know I saw that man downtown not long back and it's been many years, over a decade. And I said, did you ever have any more troubles with that liver cancer? He's smoking a pipe. Nope. Okay, now that's just how easy it is, but that's also how complicated it can be. Now, it's only complicated because of our perceptions of things. So Proverbs 19.8 says, he that gets wisdom loves his own soul. One of the best things you can do for yourself is to get wisdom from God. It also says uh, in, in Romans 13.9, and this is also in Matthew 22, verse 37, the greatest commandment, of course, is to love God. The second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, that word as uh, in, the, in English means to the same degree. Okay, you can go out here and you can help all these people, but if you're not helping yourself and taking care of yourself, you're not effectively loving them because you're not effectively loving yourself. And here's another shocker. If you're not loving yourself, you can't love God. You're not loving God if you don't love yourself because you and God are one. Uh You and God are one. So the greatest commandment is to love God, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That as you love yourself is, is still part of that commandment. It is a commandment for us to love ourselves as we're loving others. And so it's like, it's like I, was, I was talking to a lady one time and, and I was saying, now let's just say if you had an elderly lady that came to your house and she was ill, what all would you be doing for her? Oh, well, I would be cooking for her and I would be giving her special food and I would be making sure she got enough rest and I would be making sure she got some sunshine and some fresh air. And I said, and what are you doing for yourself? She wasn't doing any of those things for herself because she was not viewing herself as being valuable and precious. But this physical body that you have is like a car. If you only got one car when you turned 16, you would never get another car as long as you lived, okay? You take extra good care of that car, you know? And so you, you're, you've only got one vehicle to live in in this world. You've only got one vehicle to live in. You only get one shot at this. You're not going to come back as another person. You've got one shot to get this right. And, and seeing these, these parts of you as valuable and precious are extremely important in the kingdom of God because without them, you will not accomplish the good works that God has planned, predestined and planned for you to do. And so what I, I know, I used to struggle with a lot of self-hatred. This may shock some of you that know me quite well. I used to feel like I had a big hole right here all the time. And I used, to, I used to have a lot of anxiety at night. Nobody knew this was a secret thing, okay? Nobody knew about it. But I, I finally found the cure for that. And that is that I had to meet, I had to stop depending on me because I was doing a lot of good works. I was helping a lot of people. But for one thing, I wasn't taking care of myself like I was taking care of others. And the other thing was I was relying on my own strength. And so I had to, and what you have to do if you want to learn to love yourself the right way is you have to meet the new you. 
There's a lot of people that, that know the Lord. They're, they're born again in their spirit. They have a new spirit man, but they're walking around with an old headspace. And you can't walk around with your old headspace as the new you. You can't see yourself as you used to. You have to see yourself as the new you. And because Galatians 2.20 says we are crucified with Christ. And, 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 but, it, but I, I mean, nevertheless, you live, but you live because Christ is in you. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. It's like, well, yeah, but I, I, was, I was saved when I was 10, and I did a terrible thing last week. Well, you are not here on your own righteousness. It says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. In your righteousness, it says in Isaiah 64.6 that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing, there, there is really nothing good in you, the old you. Nothing. There isn't anything lovable even, you know. But when you are one with Jesus, which all of you ladies know, all, every single woman in here knows Jesus. Every single person in here knows that, that, uh, that Christ is in them, okay. And so even Paul talked about it in Romans 7 where he talks about, oh, you know, I've tried to do all these things, but I can't. I try to say all these things, but I can't. But uh, who's going to save me from this wretched man? Christ. And Christ just means the one anointed, empowered by God. Okay, so let's talk about this. This is the key to learning to love yourself is you love God and just realize that you and God are now one. The person of Tina, okay, Tina doesn't exist anymore. It's Tina Christ. This, let me introduce you to this. This is a new person right here, Tina Christ. Okay, this right here, this is no longer Kim. This is Kim Christ. Okay? This lady right here, Bonnie Christ. Okay? You are all who you are in Christ. You are Christ. Ladies, you are Christ. You are no longer you. You're no longer an individual. Now, God is one of the greatest uh, uh, persons to guard our heart and guard our individuality. Individuality is extremely important to him. That's why God made everybody, even snowflakes that fall from the sky and melt and are seen no more. Every snowflake is unique. Every one. That is how important uniqueness and individuality is to God. And he is, and I love that song, the defender of my heart. He is the greatest defender of your heart. He's the greatest defender of your individuality because you, he cannot do the things he needs to do in your life, through you, and in your circle of existence without you. You are very important to him. God can't do it without you, Kim. God can't do it without you, Tina. He can't. He, he wants to, but he can't. He needs to, it's like Pastor Susan was talking about, partnering with God. Okay, so you and God are now intertwined. That word kava, weighed on the Lord, like she was talking about on Sunday. Pastor Susan referred to this. It means to be intertwined. You are so intertwined with Jesus that there is no more you. It's June Christ, Pam Christ, mm -hmm. Rini Christ. Okay, that's who you are. So meet the new you. Fall in love with the new you. Even if 
yesterday you did a commit you committed a terrible sin you know it says it says that when we confess our sins that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness okay and at one point when i was overcoming the anxiety and moving into this new area of the new self and loving myself as to who i am in christ i would i would use that scripture many times a day <laughs> and 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 because I want to make sure that I have a repentant heart I want to make sure I'm clean I want to make sure I'm doing it right so it don't matter how many times you have to use it you know what God really enjoys repetition because the angels cry holy 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 and it's forever this is going on forever so don't be concerned about God getting worn out on your repetition Okay, and now, now you want you want to be sure that you receive that forgiveness, and most importantly, you forgive yourself, and then you heal up from the grief, from the secret hurt. Make sure because that is what's getting you. Just like he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." In other words, it's like, dude, didn't you know you are forgiven? Why are you laying here? You know. And everybody was so mad because he said, who do you think he is that he can forgive sins? He said, well, just, you know, so you'll know, rise up and walk, you know. And so I, I try to concentrate on this every night. I will say, we'll, we, we'll quote, we'll, we'll, we'll quote uh, Psalm 103 because it is he who forgives all your sins. And I'll look at Eugene and I'll say, all your sins are forgiven, Eugene. And he'll say, all your sins are forgiven too, Brent. And I'll say, thank you, Lord. And then it is he who heals all your diseases. These two things go together. Saved, that word sozo, means to be healed, delivered, set free, and made whole. It's not just being, it's not just being forgiven from sins, it's to be healed and made whole. So it's all one package that you get from the Father. And so this is the, this is the scripture that helped me the most on the new me. Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Now that word, the hope of glory, Bible hope means the known outcome. You know the outcome. And Ms. Monty calls me up and says, Bryn, I'm going to bring you an apple pie in about an hour. I know for sure Bonnie's coming with a pie. The for sure outcome is me eating the pie. Okay? That's, that's the for sure outcome. So Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, the one empowered by God with all power in heaven and earth, in you, the for sure outcome is glory. And that word glory also means honor, excellence, splendor. And so that's what I would do. I'd lay on the bed and I would meditate that. Christ in me, the one empowered by God that has all authority in heaven and earth and his power in me, the for sure outcome of that is glory. The for sure outcome of that is excellence. The for sure outcome of that is, is splendor. The for sure outcome of that is honor. Regardless of who you are without him, this is who you are with him. And that's the you that you want to fall in love with all over again. Fall in love with anew every morning. Christ in you. You have to focus on that. If you don't focus on that, it's going to be very difficult to hold on to your health. So that's where we want to go. Christ in you, the expectation, the for sure outcome, glory, honor, excellence, and splendor. Remember what we're talking about. These are all things that, that disconnect us from God's word, God's love, all of these things. So we've got to examine ourselves and see if any of these things that we're talking about today is the reason we've been disconnected from our healing. 
So take those notes. I, I mean, I'm just taking pages. But you know what? God, you can start coming up if you want to, Pam. But God wants to dwell in a healthy body. And when our body is not healthy, it limits him as to what he can do. Because he has provided it for us. And girls, we're, this lady's Bible study is on a hunt for health. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit show us, hey, where am I missing it? Where have I disconnected myself? This has all been so good, girls, and I've, just, I've got a page on each one of them. This is Pamela Shaw, happens to be my sister-in-law. Thank you. We've heard about separation from God and how that robs us, okay? And we've heard about separation from self and how that robs us and destroys us, okay? So my topic is a little bit lighter, a little bit more carefree, and it's about separation from others by breach of friendship, okay? Now, let's talk about the word breach. Uh, June and I share a commonality about the word breach. Both of us had breach babies. Uh, that means Jeremy and Brittany did not want to come out the right way, and if it hadn't been for our doctors, uh, we, they would have been undeliverable births. So that's one definition of breach. But the most common definition is a gap or a hole or a crack or a split or a rupture. And for example, think about Hurricane Katrina and when it slammed New Orleans and think about the gap and the crack and the hole that was in the levee system down there that absolutely flooded the town and, and totally destroyed most of it. And another definition is wrongful intrusion, wow. invasion, overrunning, attack. Okay? Think about what happened on October the 7th when Hamas went into Israel. And the Palestinians and, and Israelis had already reached peace through treaties and meeting together and, and compromising. And that was all destroyed by Hamas, and that caused a breach in the peace in the world. All right. Now, we're going to talk about breach among friends. Okay. This is not quite as monumental as tearing up New Orleans or tearing up Israel, but it can be just as hurtful Absolutely. and just to you because it's personal. But guess what? Everything is personal. All right? Now, it can be as a result of a fuss. It can be as a result of a dispute, of a conflict, difference of opinion, all sorts of things like that. And the result is a grudge or a feud. Okay? Now, in Hebrews 12, 14, now I like to kind of find the background of some of these things. Nobody knows who wrote Hebrews. They don't know for sure. And, but they know it was written during a time when um, the Christian Jews were being persecuted. So someone wrote something to try to give them hope and peace and give them some guidance as to what they should be doing and how they should live. So I'm just going to read to you. That is, this is Hebrews 12, 14. Okay? 12, 14. If you want to turn to that, you can. Okay. 
Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with every word to be holy, for without holiness you may not see God. 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defy many. Let's talk about that bitter root, okay? Yesterday, Bonnie and I, we really did some talking, some valuable talking, and we talked about root, bitter root. Bonnie, would you share, come up and share with me what you said about the bitter root? That bitterness is as uh, witchcraft. It, that's in the Old Testament where right. it talks about bitterness is as witchcraft. Right. And, you know, um, bitter is one of our five taste senses in our mouth and we've got sweet and sour and salty and savory and bitter and i know with my kindergartners i have done lots of you know taste tests with them and that sort of stuff i'm telling you none of them wanted to eat the kale <laughs> sorry brenda but nobody wanted to eat the kale that was bitter broccoli brussels sprouts cabbage i'm sorry they may be good for you but they are bitter okay now, like Bonnie said, the Old Testament says the root of bitterness grows in the soil of hurt that has not been dealt with. What do you think the fruit of that bitter root is? What are you going to get? Yes, resentment. It is not going to bear good fruit, is it? No, no way possible. Let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians, okay, and we know that Paul was in jail in Rome during this time, and he wrote these letters to not just the Ephesians, but to the other churches that were in that area because he thought this was so important. This is Ephesians 4, 31, 32, 5, 1, and 2. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, evil, speaking, evil speaking, and malice be put away, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another, even as God has forgiven you through Christ. Do you want that forgiveness from Christ? Yeah. Well, of course. So how, how are you going to get it? Or how are you going to block it, I might say? How do you block that forgiveness? Not unforgiveness, right? In this verse, Christians are called to put away the things that entangle believers. Okay? we got to watch what entangles us, such as malice and slander and bitterness. That talking about each other, that'll get you. Instead, we should demonstrate Christ-like attitude of love and forgiveness. Is it easy? No, if it were easy... It, it wouldn't be a problem. Everybody would be able to do it. But uh, the more you forgive, guess what? The easier it gets, you know. And we don't need to dwell on things that are so unimportant, you know. I mean, don't hurt someone's feelings because you talk about their brother-in-law that's a drunk, even though he might be a drunk, but that's going to hurt their feelings. Don't say you don't like the looks of their dog. I mean, think about what you're saying to, to folks, you know, guard your words. All right. Uh, you know, we have an angel right here amongst us, and it's Miss Tanya. And anybody that has gone to one Sunday 
at the RCC, you know that Miss Tanya is, we, you know what she is? Everything to this church. So thanks to her, she's fixed up a little thing for me, and I want you all to watch it. It's a, it's a song, and it's called Forgiveness. Brittany told me it was an old song, but anyway, 2012, she thought that was old. And <laughs> anyway, it's written by this guy named Matthew West. But what's amazing about it is that it's actually a true story. And he wrote it, he was, he was prompted to, wrote, to write it and to sing it because of history of a lady named Renee Napier this hits really close to our family, who chose to forgive a man, a drunk driver who took the life of her 20-year-old daughter. So I want you to ask yourself, after you listen to this song, if you'd be able to do the impossible like she did. Okay? Could you say it any better than that? He gave us that forgiveness so we can give it to others. Okay, and I'm not saying that you have to say, well, what this person did was not wrong. I'm just saying you have to forgive them. You have to. That's what the word says. You absolutely have to forgive them. Okay, did anybody catch something in there that really touched them? Was there any little phrase or anything would like to share with us? Anybody? How to love the unlovable. Yes. That is tough, isn't it? Because not everybody is nice as we are. Y'all know that, don't you? <laughs> I've worked with people there. But you've still got to forgive them. Right. Okay. Anybody else? That's wonderful. You can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it's real easy. Yes. She, she said that it shows you, it demonstrates how to actually forgive someone. It's hard to know what to do, what to say, but it does show you. I, you know, I think I love it because it uses little little kids, because I, that's what I always worked with. June and I worked with little kids. They are so forgiving of others. They have such a loving heart, and it's so easy for them to forgive. They don't hold grudges. You know, they just hit each other and then they forgive each other and then off they go. You know, they do not hold grudges. They really don't. They don't. So we need to have that, that attitude of the little child. We really do because, it, because that's the most perfect. That's what God wanted us to do. Yeah. That's that perfection. The one thing that I, anybody else want to share anything? The, yes, that was my favorite one too. The, the prisoner that's really freed is you. You are the prisoner that forgiveness, unforgiveness has a hold of. That's right. And, and you should know yourself. I mean, when you forgive someone, doesn't it make you just feel better? You just feel a release. I mean, it's an actual physical whatever. It really, in your body, you feel a release, an actual release from that giving up that forgiveness. But anyway, okay. And I really love that one. Now, I'm going to switch just a little bit because we've talked about forgiveness, but what I want to bring in is talk about friends, how this applies to our health, how this applies to what Bonnie's teaching us, how this applies to, uh, that assists us on our hunt for health, and it can uh, 
if you don't have friends, it can be a fence or a wall to your health. Okay, now I want to tell you why friends are good for you. Because they are good for your health. Because they support your immune system. They reduce stress. And I'm not just making this up. I got this from a real doctor, not a kindergarten teacher. But anyway, you have less cardiovascular problems. It lowers your blood pressure. I mean, these are physical things that are improved in your body. Will you agree with me on this, Brenda? I really that. Okay. They also prevent isolation, loneliness, and provide needed companionship. They celebrate your good times, and they provide support during your bad times. And overall, they extend your life. Do you want to extend your life? Okay. Well, let's get some friends. Now, let me talk about friends. Friendship. Someone once told me that you don't ever make any friends after age 50. Well, that's a big lie. You make friends your whole entire life. And we know now from, from data that we get from MRIs that the brain is learning, making new inroads until you take your last breath and you go to heaven. Your life isn't over with when you're 75 or 65 or 85 or 95 or 100. Really, it's not. So, um, you know, how do you make friends? Well, for one thing, you make eye contact with people. And you smile. You know, how many times have you been in a place, how many times have you been in a place and you see someone that is not white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, brown hair, blue eyes, they're different from you, and you make eye contact with them and smile and say, hello, that's all they want. Okay, they're different from you. God made them that way. Okay, and it's our job to be friends with them. There's nothing like that. Do you not love that song, I am a friend of God? He calls me friend. I love that song. So that's the way that we should treat others. Okay. Now, I have a little activity for you. <laughs> I know you love that. Uh, I'm going to let you do your homework here in class. You're not going to have to take it home. <laughs> And unlike June, who brought you the flashlight, I brought uh, bribes, okay? <laughs> I love bribes. If you bring candy into a classroom, you got kids right in the palm of your hand. You know that as well as I do. So I'm going to have June go around and give you candy. The serving size, according to Hershey's, is seven, but what does Hershey know? They don't know anything. Just give everybody a handful. And Brenda is going to give you our little activity. Another thing, how do you keep your friends? You make them dumplings. You bring them uh, anything. It doesn't make any difference. You pat them on the back. You compliment them. You, I like your hair, whether you really like it or not. But you, you, know, you give them a compliment. You make them feel good. All right, here comes the food. <laughs> I'll tell you something else about aging and friends. Get yourself some younger friends. That's what I did. I get younger friends. You know why? Because they can take you in their car to your appointments. <laughs> and they can drive at night. <laughs> now, everybody got their little hand out? 
Uh, please don't start working on it yet. No. <laughs> Put your head down, Bonnie. No, I'm kidding. Um, one thing I want you to do is pick up your handout and see if you see a, a place on your handout that has a hole in it. Anybody got the one with a hole in it? Down at the corner, bottom corner. You got it? Turn over on the back. What does it say? That's for me because you can, you can depend on your friends, but you can't depend on Amazon because I ordered a door price <laughs> that was to go, <laughs> to go along with this activity. They said it'll be here Friday, uh, be here Monday, now it'll be here Thursday. So I'll bring you your, uh, your door prize, but I'll read to you what it says. I can find my little note. It's one of my f favorite things that a friend of mine, it's one of my favorite pieces of junk that I have at the house. One of my best friends gave this to me years ago and it says, what made us friends in the long ago, when we first met, well I think I know, the best in me and the best in you held each other because they knew that always and ever since time began, our being friends was part of God's plan. So, you'll get that next week, okay? But that's just one of my favorite little sayings about friends. So anyway, let's look at your handout. Up at the top is a, one of my favorite little sayings from a person named Euripides. He was a Greek author about 60 AD, around Socrates, Aristotle, you know, all those Greek authors. Okay. He said, one loyal friend is worth 10,000 relatives. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, it's the truth. We know that. Yes, it is. That loyal friend will be with you through thick and thin and everything. They really will. So, all right. What I want you to do is list the names of five or fewer of your best friends. Include a few attributes or characteristics that make them your best friend. And I'm going to give you about two minutes to do it. Uh, really? Studies say between three and five is the perfect number of best friends to have. I guess after that you can't manage them. I don't know. But anyway, that, that's what I read, that that's the perfect number. TikTok says seven, but who, who listens to TikTok? So <laughs> anyway, if you just got one, you're completely blessed. All right, who would like to volunteer? Uh, come on, volunteer. Okay, Tina. Okay, are you sure? I'm okay. <laughs> My husband, he's loyal and always there for me. Our daughter and son, because they make me the better mom that I could never dream of being. And they love me so much. And I love them so much. They're such blessings. My Aunt Kim, <laughs> she's one of my prayer warriors. We can talk and pray through anything. And our friend Sandy, she communicates every single day, almost without fail, always reaching out to see if there's something she could do or, I mean, can't get more lo loyal than that, right? But um, anyway, yeah. Well, I am super blessed, so I love this because I have a lot of friends, a lot of good, close friends. Um, Susan, of course, is my number one. Everybody knows that. She is loving and loyal. Uh, Lisa, 
dependable, and she is always there for me. Kim is reliable and strong, and Michelle is fun and dependable, and she gets us in so many things. She's always wanting to do something. Uh, Billy is hilarious and always wants to go places. And Mary is my prayer warrior, and she loves me. Love, prayers, being there through thick and thin, having fun with them. One other thing I want to point out to you is that, and this is kind of, I don't know, it's bittersweet to think about this, but women have a longer lifespan than men. That ought to tell you how important your friends are to you. Men don't have the relationships and the support that women do. And it sounds like it really does lengthen your life when you got a good friend. So I know you all have friends. If you don't, just hang around in here long enough and you will get a bunch because they will love you and they will be your friend. And cherish your friends and take care of them and love them and realize what a treasure they are to you from God. Okay? Thank you very much. Good job. Thank you. Now I get to teach. Well, man, next week when we come, we're going to have a lot of comments. But um, remember, all of these things could be what's separating you from the health that Jesus has provided for you. So let's think about these things and let the Holy Spirit show each individual. Um, one of the questions she asks is, can I do the impossible? Can you forgive what has happened to you, what has been said to you? The answer is yes. And the one thing you've got to realize about unforgiveness in your heart, and Tom always said this is the, uh, the one that's an unpardonable sin. Why? Because unforgiveness is continual. Unforgiveness is continual. And so until you forgive, you know, so think about that and get rid of whatever it is. And um, in the friendship thing, man, I have so many. You know, Brenda here, never. Every time she, asks, she sees me, her words are, can I do anything for you? You know, that blesses me. So think about your friends, but I want to warn you. And of course, Kathy's my intercessor, Pam's my friend. You know, I could just go on and on. Lou and I go back forever, <laughs> you know. But, we, but I want, what I want you to realize, and this bothers me, is uh, we all have a circle of friends, right? That's in your circle. Tanya mentioned some of hers. Don't forget and be that you as a circle of friends don't forget the other people i watch it and i and you can become a click and i've seen it happen here in this church immediately after every service who do you gather with i've had people comment on it well they never socialize they're always with their little click now girls we can't have that so let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And it's important. Who's sitting by themselves? You know. 
<laughs> pay attention to these kind of things and don't become a clique. It's okay to have a circle of friends, but a circle of friends has something that they can give to somebody else. Amen? Amen. So that's just, you know, friends, she said, extend your life. Well, friends, I have, all of you are my friends. But you may not be in my circle. But I love you, and I'm going to speak to you, and I'm going to try when I see you sitting by yourself or whatever. I'm going to try and make myself available. And that's what we all need to do. Make yourself available. Look around and, and you know, see who God would have you to speak to, to sit by, to whatever. I don't know. It, it just... Friends go deep, but friends are to be shared with other people. Amen. Did y'all enjoy this? Yes. Praise God. Well, Father, these are your girls, <laughs> and they're my friends. And, Father, I bring them before the very arms of you and of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it, you're the family that every one of us have always wanted. You are the family that sticketh closer than a brother. You're always there for us. Father, I thank you that as we leave this place today, the Holy Spirit is going to minister to me. He's going to minister to each one of these ladies individual. Speak to us the things that might be interfering with our health, that might be keeping us disconnected from you and from the love and from the word, Father God. So I'm, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to do that and that we're going to be obedient and we're going to do the impossible in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a super great day, ladies.